0: Good morning, everyone. Listen, I wanted to um, share with you guys before we get into the message here, just, um, just to let you know that, um, you know, if you build your life on the foundation of Jesus Christ, no matter what comes your way, He's your firm foundation. And um, I was uh, listening to a song on the way here today, and it, it just reminded me of that fact. That, you know, if you... If you like Frank was saying, if you've received Christ's forgiveness uh, or Christ's forgiveness and eternal life that He offers, that He paid for on the cross, then um, you have you can you have a solid foundation in Him, and no matter what's going on in your life, whatever the circumstances you find yourself, that you now know a God who's sovereign, who's in control even in the chaos, and uh, He's with you in that storm. And um, uh, as the song stated, which I know is, is talking about um, passage in Matthew, <coughs> and just says, Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand. When everything around me is shaken, I've never been more glad that I put my faith in Jesus because he's never let me down. He's faithful through generations, so why would he fail now? He won't. You know, so we, you know, and maybe you've been through some kind of betrayal. Maybe you've been through some kind of um, situation where somebody let you down. And uh, just know this, that if you know Christ and you put your faith in him, he'll never let you down. And uh, so I don't know who that's for today, but just uh, if nothing else, it was for me. Uh, Just to remind me of that truth, okay? So let's go to the Lord and let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we are just grateful for your blessing uh, in our lives. Thank you for what Christ has done for us on the cross. Thank you that um, there's nothing we have to do to earn your love. We just simply need to receive. Receive the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Admit our need. Um, that our sin separates us from you, but Christ made the way that we could be brought back to God, as it says in the the Bible. So Lord, we are grateful, and we praise your name today for that. We we don't want to take that for granted. Um, And Lord, thank you for the firm foundation that we have in Jesus Christ, that though the storms of life may be raging right now, uh, you... Uh, we, can, we can find our anchor in you. And so, Lord, we just uh, we don't want, to, we want to thank you for that. And we want to thank you for uh, just the blessing of being able to be together this morning. That um, I, I just thank you that the church is called in the Bible, one of the things it's called is the body of Christ. And that in, in, in that sense that we are the hands and the feet of Jesus to one another. That this morning, that there may be an opportunity for us, in a sense, to be Jesus to one another. Lord, let us not let those moments slip by today. The time of singing, the, the, the time of communion, and the time of hearing the Word of God is, is all part of the worship. But also our worship is the time before and after where we can... Um, Have fellowship with one another, where we can minister to one another. Lord, help us. Lord, use our words for ministry today. After this service today, God, we just pray. Pray that we would uh, be attuned to the Spirit as we interact with each other. What uh, give us like the like um, it says there that you would give us the words that are like that delivering grace in the time of need, the the right words at the right time. Lord, thank you for the ministry of the body of Christ, the church. And so, Lord, we ask for your your blessing on the remainder of our time today. We just want you, want Jesus to be lifted up. We want our eyes to be focused on him today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, And that kind of brings us to where we are in the gospel of Luke. We've been going through the gospel of Luke together on and off for a while now. I don't even know how many messages we are. And, you know, Luke, Luke is a long book. But, you know, the thing is, is that, you know, what are the gospels? The gospels are, in a sense, kind of like biographies of the life of Jesus, if you will. Um, but, you know, it's not just, not just any book, it's the word of God. Uh, and so, uh, if you want to know the truth about Jesus and what he said, man then you've come to the right place and and uh, the Gospels is you know a great place to be, and you just see what was Jesus really like? What did he talk about? And uh, what did he do? What did he say? How did he act? How did he treat people? I mean, you just see all that when you read the Gospels. And so today, uh, and you may have picked up on this theme, even just from a couple of the songs that we were singing, uh, we're talking about living in light of his return. Um, you know, Christmas uh, celebrates his uh, first coming, and, and uh, Christ has promised uh, that he will come again for his church, and he also has mentioned that there will be, you know, a great evaluation, if you will, a judgment as well. And so um, in this passage, Jesus talks about uh, his coming. His coming. Now, um, some of you, like, you think about Christmas time. A lot of times family comes in, uh, possibly. Maybe they stay with you. And when that happens, um, you know, usually there's just lots of preparation, right? You're getting ready for them to come. Uh, cleaning, uh baking, cooking, whatever might be involved in the preparation, maybe laundry to, if you've got a spare room that you're putting people up in or whatever, or even just, you know, if it's sleeping bags, you're getting ready. But there's preparation, there's, you're getting ready, you know uh, that's coming, right? And so today, uh, this passage focuses really about um, maintaining a state of readiness, if you will maintaining a, a state of readiness, uh, knowing that Christ is coming back. And so um, this is uh, this word comes to us from Luke chapter 12, verses 35 to 48. And so it is um, a practice of ours, a habit of ours as a church that um, for anybody that's able, when we uh, read the passage we're going over, we stand up in honor of the word of God. So if you're able to stand, uh, please stand and again, this is a reverence for God's word, knowing it's, it's his word, it's not mine. And so I'll just read this. And so listen to what God's word says. This is Jesus's words. Here's what he says. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. And be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast, so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You must also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? And the Lord said, who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is the servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. And that servant who knows his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will, will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much was given, of much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. That's the word of the Lord. Please have a seat. Sounds kind of violent, doesn't it? Man, people being cut in two, heavy beatings, light beatings, sounds so Christianly, you know, and so you're kind of like, what is that about, you know, and, and uh, I'm just going to kind of just say this up front, you know, I really think that, uh, you know, the, the cutting in two and the beatings, you know, that's just kind of just, it, it's, it's somewhat metaphorical of judgment, Okay. For sure, I don't know that it's a literal you know uh, cutting somebody in half um, but uh but you know uh, I think what we need to say is that you know that as Jesus is telling us that uh, there's kind of an accounting going on here, some kind of an accounting there's a, an evaluation happening um, but we, before we get into that uh, let's just talk about um, this first uh, verses uh, thirty five To forty here. So if you have your Bibles and you're following along, uh, or you've got your device, uh, pull that up, so you can keep your eye on verses thirty-five to forty. Because really, that's just you know kind of the introductory part of just kind of what's the big idea here. What's Jesus introducing? He's saying, "Stay dressed for action. Keep your lamps burning." And he's you know this speaks of readiness. And then he says, it's kind of like, he says, and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast. Now, most wedding today, weddings today, you know, it's a one-day event, maybe a few-hour event, right? Now, back then, it could go on for days, even a week, you know? And so, um, if this person, uh, you know, they, they in this situation, that's Jesus is telling this situation, he's saying, the Master they have servants right and so they're they're back at the house and they're kind of waiting he says they need to be waiting at the ready waiting for the master to come back and open the door and receive him and so he, he's saying be like them so be like them he's saying which again just you know you're looking for the return of the master. And he says, uh, there's a blessing for those that do. He says, verse 37, Blessed are the servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he, meaning the master, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. I mean, what a blessing that would be, right? Right? The master, Jesus, in this case, right, he's kind of speaking of his return, um, that he would serve us and we would, you know, for all believers, we know that there will be a reclining at table with Jesus, right? The marriage supper of the lamb, as it's referred to. And it says, if he comes in the second watch or the third watch and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. You know, and so the, the watches is, you know, you think of that as kind of like... Um, um, almost like military guard. There were different times of changing of the guard, right? And so, um, and it would go into the night. And so he's just saying, blessed are those that even later have the later watch. Or maybe it's an effort's been a long delay, right? Um, It has been a long while, correct, since Jesus was here. How we count time, anyway, right? And so... He's saying, blessed are those whom the master finds us awake in looking for his return. And it says, of verse 39, but know this, if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. It's just another way of, you know, you, I mean, this is, kind of, this is what I call motto, master of the obvious, right? If you knew your house was going to be uh, a thief was going to come, and you knew when he was going to be there, then there wouldn't be a theft. Or at the very least, there'll be a confrontation, maybe. But, you know, and so he's just saying, um, but, but what does he say? He says, but you don't know. You don't, you know, when you're how, how, when somebody, a thief comes to your house, you typically don't know when that's happening. And I don't know if that's ever happened you. It happened to me one time down at, uh, when I lived off campus at Ohio State. Um, Somebody, uh, Frank was there. Uh, we walked, I think we walked back in. We went out to a movie. We're hanging out and walked in and the front door was wide open. My stereo was gone. I mean, they left the $4,000 computer alone upstairs, praise the Lord, whatever it was. I mean, all together. I mean, that tells you how things, have, times have changed. That was back in 1984. Um, so, uh, but anyway, and it was kind of a, You know, it was just a surprise, obviously. Um, And and so Jesus is saying, he says, um, you also must be ready for the Son of Man. It's one of his titles. The Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. You don't know. We don't know when Jesus is coming back. And so this is why he's saying you need to be ready. You need to be looking for his return. So this passage uh, is really all about kind of a, an attitude that we need to have. He doesn't give a lot of instruction on what to do, okay, but it's more of an attitude. And I have some thoughts on what we can do based on some other scriptures at the end of the message today. But, but just, just, he's just simply saying, you don't know when Jesus come back. So if somebody tells you the day or the hour when Jesus is coming back, you just know it's not going to be right. Okay, and you know, um, if you've been around Christianity very long, and many books have been written, right, on when Jesus is coming. You know, eighty-eight reasons why Jesus is coming in eighty-eight, and then eighty-nine came. You know, it just—it just. I don't know why they keep doing that. You know, it's pretty clear we're not going to know when he's coming. Now there could be indicators as to if the time might be getting close or whatever, but, you know, it's just, we don't know. So, um, so Jesus is saying, because you don't know, be ready. This is what he's telling us, right? Well, now he kind of moves in towards, uh, after Peter has a question, he's going to move into telling us a little parable. Um, But Peter has this question, verse 41, he says, Lord... Are you telling this parable for us or for everybody that's here? Meaning, like, is it for us, disciples here, um, you know, the twelve of us, or is it is it for all the believers there? We don't get a straight answer here. Okay, we don't get a straight answer. Or or I should—it's not like Jesus being deceptive. He just sometimes he just doesn't answer these things head on. Okay, and so, um, so that we get to verse forty-two, and it's the Lord said, "Who then?" Uh, is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household, so now we move and talk about the story where jesus is saying uh, he 's talking about a manager or think about a steward, somebody who 's going to be left in charge of something right so if you 've ever worked in retail or something like that and and uh, maybe you weren 't the store manager, but you know they left and you 're in charge. you were the person right so that 's you 're a stewarding that store you know and you're supposed to make sure that the other employees are doing what they're supposed to do and taking care of them and and so on and so that's what someone somebody has a stewardship they've been left something to take care of and so um it is interesting that he does talk about a faithful and wise manager okay it says whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time, verse 43, blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. So again, he connects this story with that readiness element, right? Blessed is the wise manager who's doing what they ought to be doing when his master returns, right? Um, it says then in verse 44, Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. So he's saying if the, if the master comes back uh, and the manager's done a, a good job and has been ready and doing what he's supposed to be doing, it says that the, the master will put him over more after he returns. And um, I, I think this is you know speaking again to the second coming. Uh, when the Lord returns, and, and, um, but I do think, this is, now this is my opinion. You're going to find uh, some, some different opinions on this. But I think that um, this, this wording on the manager and um, you know, being set over a household and, and giving them their portion of food at proper time, I think this is, has to do with um, leadership, um, leadership of God's people. Okay, because the leaders of in God's people of his house, um, of course, I know that the, the church hadn't been birthed yet here when Jesus said these words, but certainly there were leaders of God's people, right? Religious leadership at that time. And he's saying, uh, what's, you know, when, when Jesus um, uh, was going to leave the earth, right, he would be caught up, um, ascended to heaven, and that between that time of ascension and his second coming, the um, for us the church has leaders who have been, uh, you know, the the have been put to care for the people of God. And you see all kinds of uh, analogies or metaphors in the scriptures about this, like uh, shepherd and sheep, right? The sheep being the people of God, and and uh, um, the shepherds being. Um, the church leaders. And so I, I think that these managers here that he's saying is the church leadership if you apply it to us, okay? Um, now, if you're not a church leader, you're not off the hook here, okay? Um, because what he has already said before he got to here certainly applies. To you We're supposed to be ready and we're supposed to be looking for his return, okay? And so, uh, but but I do think that, you know, so initially, those church those leaders were the apostles, and by extension, church elders and church leaders. And uh, it speaks of you know uh, being masters of God's household and taking care of that household. It talks about feeding them and so on. And so this is, uh, uh, I think, a word for them. And so he's simply saying, he says, uh, "Blessed is are those servants, those managers." Who are taking care of God's household well, and that they, you know, that's there is a blessing for them, and and that there is a a reward is kind of when Jesus comes back is 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 uh, you know, I, I don't know what your ideas of uh, what happens after Jesus comes back and, you know, and there's a new heaven and a new earth and there's lots of different thoughts on on the timing of those things. We're not even gonna that's a whole thing, you know. But uh I mean it's a good study, it's a good thing to look into, but I'm just saying, you know, we can debate some of those nuances. But the thing is, Jesus is coming back. Uh there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Uh and and so he's saying that uh there's things to actually do. Okay. We're not we're not kind of sitting on clouds with harps, okay? That's not that's not it. Okay. Um uh and so but he's telling, seeing the church leaders there, I've got, I'm going to, as a reward, you'll have more responsibility uh, when I come back. That's what he's saying. And so, now, um, and, and so this is really, um, this, this kind of moves us into, um, Talking about So that's that's the faithful person, right? So we go in here, and um, then we see in the next uh, set of verses, say 45 and 46, we have the unfaithful steward. So verse 45 says, But if that servant says to himself, My master is delayed in coming. And begins to beat the male and female servants, and to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he does not know, and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. And so, um, so he he, get his, he talks and says like, okay, if you've been put over, um, if you're a manager. And this, I think, in this instance, God's household, and you do well, you'll be rewarded. But he's like, but some people, some church leaders, will actually do nothing. They'll, they'll live lives that don't look anything like a Christian, but yet they hold the office. Okay? And so. Um, and, and, and the reasoning here is it says that person's like, well, hey, man, it's going to be a long time before he comes back. You know, what do they say when the boss is away? The employees will play or when the cat's away, the mice will, whatever they do, you know. Um, and I think that's the idea. He's saying, you know, it's going to be a long time. I've got a long time to get things in order here. But, you know, this is not just like neglect. This is abuse. Did you see that? That's abuse. Uh, this this is this person is it's just it's just not like they're not doing anything they're doing evil <laughs> okay um beating the male and female servants of the household right they're not they're not uh, taking care of things the way they're supposed to take care of they're not actively feeding the the household there and and managing it like they should be this is not not the activity of somebody that actually has an authentic relationship with God so you know there are there are people who sometimes occupy positions uh, leadership positions in churches that are not really rightly related to God they're not rightly related to God Um. And we, we know, I mean, I, I'm basing this on verse 46 because he says, um, you know, the master of the servant will come on a day when it does not expect and an hour when he does not know and cut him into pieces and put him with the unfaithful. And that's really, it's, it's akin to the, um, like, put him with the unbelievers. Or another rendition I saw was like, he will be cut off. And uh, Matthew's version of this in chapter 24 is, has a similar wording, okay? Uh, so, uh, so anyway, this is, uh, this is nothing new, by the way. I mean, you go back to and you look in the Old Testament and you see God's leaders who are supposed to be caring for God's people, abusing them. Not caring for them. I think uh, Ezekiel chapter thirty four. I'll just I don't have this up here for you, but Ezekiel thirty four, uh, verses one to six says, "The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. That's the leaders. The sh- prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord of God, Ah, shepherds of Israel, who have who have been feeding yourselves." Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back. This is the job of a shepherd. This is the job of a church leader to feed the sheep. Didn't Jesus... Jesus tell Peter, feed my sheep. If you love me, feed my sheep. He's not talking about a potluck. Okay, he's talking about feed them the word of God. Feed them the spiritual food they need. And then you see also there in that uh, prophetic word coming from Ezekiel against the shepherds of God, what they should have been doing. They should have been caring for the sheep. You know, there's six sheep that need healing. They need help. There's some that are wandering off. Go after them. That's the work of church leaders to care for the people of God. And it says, so they were scattered. This is verse 5 of Ezekiel 34. And so they were scattered because there was no shepherd And they became food for all the wild beasts. It's like, you know, church leaders need to see that, you know, uh, Satan just wants to take your people down. He wants them to wander off and he wants to spit them up and chew them out, spiritually speaking. And so it is the job of the managers of God's household to do these things that are mentioned that the shepherds in Ezekiel 34 were not doing. And I think I think that Jesus is referring to this kind of thing back there with the unfaithful steward there in verses 45 and 46 this and and um it's, again, it's not just like dereliction of duty. It's just evil, what they were doing. And, you know, Jesus also says in Matthew chapter 7, this may sound familiar to you, Matthew 7, 21 and, 20, 21 and 23, he says, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. It's focusing on the words there. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. In other words, life, how we live matters. How we live is a demonstration of if we actually have a relationship with the living God. And then he says, so then he starts going in, he says, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? and cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare, says the Lord, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Hey, you know, just because somebody can do miracles in the name of Jesus, in words and and, and even acts of power, sometimes it can be, they cannot actually be of God. That's what he's saying. Not everybody who says, Lord, Lord. Not everybody who claims to be a Christian is a Christian. Not everybody just because they did some miraculous things. I think the man of lawlessness is mentioned in the the New Testament is going to be able to do some amazing things. Okay, But ultimately, the litmus test of their heart is that it's far from God. And so in this case... Jesus said, um, "These people don't have uh, are not don't have a relationship with God, so they will be put with the unbelievers, even though they held this post, some kind of a leadership position." So then he goes on, and, and so now everything I've said so far is kind of in that Matthew twenty four parallel passage. These next um, couple of verses verses 47 and 48, are not there in Matthew. And frankly, they present a little bit of a challenge in preaching. <laughs> More from just like, okay, what does this mean? Um, so I'm not saying there's something wrong with the Bible here. It's just sometimes, you know, in the different accounts, uh, it, sometimes Jesus may have had different uh, renditions. He'd give the same talk, a number of different different groups of people, and sometimes maybe include things that he didn't include other times. Or sometimes when God was um, impressing upon what the gospel writers should write, they didn't need those couple of statements. But at any rate, here we are, verses 47 and 48, which say, uh, "...and that servant who knew his master's will..." So we got kind of another category here. "...who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a severe beating." Verse 48, but the one who did not know, so now we got somebody, the first one there, verse 47 here was like, okay, they knew what to do, but didn't do it. Now we get to verse 48, but the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. It's all within the same story here. So, you know, I'm thinking, okay, well, are these guys unbelievers too? Um, I come down on the side of I don't think these are because it doesn't say they'll be put out with the unfaithful. But I think there is, a, you know, we're all going to have um, believers. We're not going to undergo, you know, judgment in terms of eternal life or not. It's, you know, what Jesus paid it all. There's nothing we have to do to earn our salvation once we've received um, uh, his forgiveness and eternal life. So that's not in the balance, you know, heaven or hell. It's, it's for the believers it's like it's, it's judging our works. And I think these verses 47 and 48 is about that. It's the judgment of their works and their wanting, right? So they're, they're having, they're not, um, you know, at these church leaders uh, know what to do, but they're not doing it. They're not pursuing evil. They're not kind of doing what the other person, they weren't beating people or abusing their power or whatever. It's just that they weren't doing what they should have been doing. And then the other person, though, it's like they didn't really pursue to know what it was God wanted them to do. It says they didn't know. Um, and so they had, so you see there's a, 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 a discipline. The discipline for the one that that knew what they should have done but didn't do was, it says they receive a heavy beating, and then the one that that didn't know what they should have been doing and didn't do it. They're still held accountable, but it's like, their discipline is lesser. And then we get this statement, everyone to whom much was given, of much will be required, and from him to him they entrusted much, they will demand more. There's a higher accountability if you know what you ought to be doing and you're not doing versus if you don't know. But you know, wrong is still wrong. You know, you can't just say, well, I didn't know. I didn't know that. That's why I like syllabi so I'm a math teacher right at Columbus State part-time and I love my syllabus you know why it's right there in black and white all the expectations and my agreement and so I use copy and paste sometimes from the syllabus because somebody will say well I didn't know that I didn't know there were no makeups for your quizzes or homeworks. And I'll just pff, copy, paste, boom. There you go. Sorry. Yeah, it sounds like you don't, yeah, nobody wants to take to my class now after I say all that. You sound like, a <laughs> boy, what a jerk, you know? Actually, I will say my rating on Rate My Professor is pretty good, okay? <laughs> Not that it's all about that. <laughs> anyway, yeah, who, did you even know there was such a thing? Some of you guys that went to college like 20, 30 years ago, Right We didn't have the benefit of ratemyprofessor.com. I wish I had. OK? But anyway, it's kind of like, well, so ignorance is no excuse, right? Uh, church leaders, we have all about, you know, we continue to pursue God and know him and the knowledge of His will, and so we can know, do our jobs better and more faithfully. And you know I, I think there is application for anyone here as like you know if you're a believer you know you're you, God's going to as you every time I think about it, every time I hear a teaching as I le- take something in I learn it you know that's something that I I know now right And so uh so we have this the these individuals here and again I again I, I'm I'm coming down so there are some people who think all you know, the the one who is just totally evil, and then the other two are just all going to hell, and there's different. Some people use that as a justification, like there's different uh, levels of punishment in hell. Okay, I understand that, I disagree with it because I, I again, I, I think verses 47 and 48 don't mention that they're going to go the way of the unfaithful, like the first one did. That's that's my reasoning. You know, I'm not going to go to the wall for it, but I, I think that makes sense to me. Okay, um, so. These are the things that, you know, I told Linda last night. I was like, I really don't want to preach on this because the verses 47 and 48, I was, I was really still wrestling with this, you know. But that's the reality. That's the beauty of going things verse by verse. You don't, you know, it, you don't get to skip the hard parts. But I can acknowledge to you that, you know, some things are hard to understand. Um, now, there is some other. Uh, Connection with this kind of thing in the in the New Testament, I want to mention this to you. Like in terms of, um, you know, this, I mentioned this kind of grand evaluation that I believe was run to go. And in one Corinthians chapter three, verses ten to fifteen, I'll read for you. One Corinthians three, ten to fifteen, um, has similar language. It says, "This is Paul. He says, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation." And someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. And, the, and one of the things I think about is that, you know, the foundation is, you know, Christ and the gospel that was laid here by the apostles for us. And, and then, you know, as, as church leaders, we're, we're building upon that. And, and so uh, we need to be careful. It says, take care how one builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than what is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Uh, now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, and precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, so now so you got the foundation, the foundation is that he's speaking of is Jesus Christ, right And um, he is the, the foundation um, of our lives as believers and of uh, the church, right? And so then he says, then he says, well, if whoever does build upon that, uh, you can use different kinds of materials. Right? He's saying um, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw. Verse 13. Each one's work will become manifest. In other words, it will be revealed. It will be evaluated. Um, for the day, for the day, and in the ESV it's capital D. In the day, uh, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. And fire will test what sort of work each one has done. Right? So it's kind of like you put, put our works um, on this table, if you will. And he's saying there's, they're made up of different things. And he says it will be revealed what they are on that day. And fire will test it. Well, which, one, which things are going to last? The things, you know, you think about the things that are are uh, straw and wood, and hey, that's going to get burned up by fire, right? But the precious metals and the stones, those are going to remain, right? And so I, I think what he's saying, you, you kind of put that kind of thing, uh, relate it back to those last two verses of our passage in Luke 12, and I think it relates in that there, you know, the discipline, I think, the discipline that those individuals receive, the beating and the light beating, is just uh, a way of saying, you know, that's going to be burned up. You know, they're going to suffer loss in that way. And, and the passage in Corinthians goes on to say, um, if, anyone, uh, if if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. So there's rewards. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved. So again, you know that that judgment there, that evaluation there has nothing to do with heaven or hell. He'll be saved. But, you know, it says there'll be a sense of loss, right? Of the things maybe we spent our time doing that didn't have really much eternal value, right? Or in the context of the church leaders where we're talking about back in Luke 12, right? that The fact that they knew what they were supposed to do but didn't do it didn't feed the sheep, didn't protect the sheep, didn't go after the lost sheep. Well, that stuff's going to be the stuff that's burned up. The stuff that they did do right will be the things that will remain and be rewarded. So in verse 15 there, 1 Corinthians 3, it says, if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though himself will be saved, but only as through fire. And so, so, you know, he, he starts off and he tells us this whole thing about about um, to be ready, right? and that we all ought to have the attitude that he could come at any time, because no one knows the time, and we ought to live our lives in alignment that he's coming, and that we will have to give an account, whether you be a church leader or not. <clears throat> So, you know, but just real quickly here, just in, in about a minute's time, I'm going to, in staccato fashion, give you a couple of things I think that would be helpful for us to do in light of his return. Uh, and, and that, because everything here has been really more attitudinal. Um, but every one of us ought to live in light of Jesus' first coming. I mean, uh, if you don't know Jesus as Savior, you need to know him as Savior. We, he wants you to come to know Him. Mark 10.45 uh, says, even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. You need to, if you're going to live your life in light of His return, you need to live your life in light of His first coming, and that's no why He came, that He came to save you. And that He loves you, and He's demonstrated that love on the cross. How will you respond? Hopefully, by saying yes to Jesus. I want you in my life. I, 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 I repent of my sin. I turn to you. I want to know you. And the other thing, too, I think that we could do to be ready that relates to his turn is know the Scriptures and be discerning. Know the Scriptures and be discerning. And um, in Mark 13, verses 21 to 23, it says, And then if any of you says, look, here is the Christ, meaning he's come back, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. But be on your guard. I have told you all things beforehand. Know your Bible. <laughs> because we, we know the Word, not just for knowledge's sake, but you know for life's sake. Um, and, and so that we... Um, we'll be able to sniff out. You know, it's it's like you can sniff out the counterfeits if you really know what the true thing is. And we know the true thing by studying the word, right? Okay, and, and, you know, we have to, uh, you know, Paul gave a warning to the elders at Ephesus. He says, pay attention. This is Acts 20. Pay careful attention to yourselves, church leaders, and all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained by his own blood. Boy, if that doesn't put the weight on an elder in this church, I don't know what will. It's a tall order, right? It's like, you, you realize the people in your church. I don't care the size of the church. But it's the people that are there, Jesus died for them. Are you taking care of them? That's what he said. This is, this is Paul talking to the church at Ephesus. He said, And the elders there. He says, "I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you. You who? The elders. He says they're going to be elders. They're going to creep in, and they're going to be like wolves. Wolves will come in among you not sparing the flock. And from among your own cells will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away. The disciples after them. That's why we all need to know the Word of God. So if somebody up here starts saying things that are off, we can challenge that because we know what it says. Right? Last thing here I just uh, to mention is what we can do is to continue to grow in grace and godliness until Jesus comes. He comes back as we're waiting for his return. We should continue to grow in grace and godliness. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 to 13 says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people, for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see that end, the tag on the end of that? He's like, this is what you're supposed to do while you're waiting, while you're hoping. You know, you might be in a situation today, you're like, hey, now would be a good time, Jesus. I'm ready, right? But he's saying while we're waiting, that we should grow in godliness, pursue growth in godliness, and becoming more Christ-like. Okay. Listen, uh, um, challenging word here, but and especially for church leaders, but also just for all of us to have the right attitude that, you know, Christ could come back in any time. You know, is is, is how am I going to do in the grand evaluation today? What kind of works am I doing? Is stuff that's that, that really has eternal value, or, you know, or is it things that, that really have no great significance in the grand eternal scheme. And that doesn't mean that God doesn't care about your day-to-day and your job. Or, you know, but you, we can live in such a way, in those mundane moments, right? In a way that brings God glory. In a way that has eternal value. Right? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this reminder to be ready we have to be ready and and looking for the return of Jesus, which doesn't mean we don't do anything and we hole up somewhere in Wyoming. But uh, it, it just means that we just need to live our lives in light of his return. And kind of if there's some course corrections that need to be had, Lord, help us to do that by your power. And Lord, um, as church leaders, Lord, help help us to... Make sure we know fully what your will is for us uh, to care for your sheep and to carry out those duties and responsibilities with great care. And we need your grace to do that, Lord. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.